you can hear me Is there anyone home? Come on, come down I hear your feelings Is anybody out there? I've just been trying to figure out a way to work this song into the opening somehow. Honestly, this is how it feels to podcast. Like you sit in a room alone, unless you're doing an interview. And uh, you're just sort of wondering, is there anybody out there? Sometimes it's a lonely existence. And... um, Holy shit, I just got a I just got a text message from a former student. It says, What advice would you give to a uh, what advice would you give to a 23-year-old reader? Hmm. Well, This is what it's also like to be a professor. People come to you looking for advice. There used to be a time. This is a time that has since gone. When I first started teaching, like it was super common for students just to walk into my office with sort of a dazed look on their face, plop down in the chair and just commence to dumping out everything that had been on their mind, everything that had been bothering them. Telling me all the places that life hurt. And for college students, and this is one of the things that concerns me, um, with kind of the new way of doing things. Um, college is this period of transition. Like the, the and I and I know I've said this before, and I've told my classes. Like the reason students get high school students get told to go to college is absolute bullshit. Let me just rephrase that. The reason people get told to go to college, and it's always the thing that I hear getting thrown back at you. This college degree is not worth anything. I can't learn anything. I'm going to do blah, 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 blah. It's cost too much. You don't fucking go to college to get a job. I mean, you do. But you don't. Like, you could go to a trade school if you want to get a job. You go to university to learn how to think on a higher level. You learn, you go to university to be challenged, to have your presuppositions challenged, to have all of the stuff that you got taught as a kid to be challenged. And it's not necessarily to say, I'm going to challenge you because I want to, I want to convince you that everything your parents told you was wrong. That's not it at all. I'm going to challenge you to stand up for the things that you have come to understand and learn how to defend them through some other reasoning than, well, this is what I got taught. This is what I've always known. So because it's what I've always known that it somehow has got to be true. See, that's bullshit logic. Like that's not logic at all. That's just regurgitating the crap that your parents told you. You go to university and and really you just grow the fuck up learning how to know what you believe and understanding why you believe those things. So to the former student who just sent me a text message as I was recording this and completely derailed everything I was about to say, this is what I tell you. Think about where your life, you want your life to end up. Like not, you don't have to get specific. Like I want to live in this kind of house and have this particular job and be married to that and have two kids. No. 
maybe you think, oh, okay, I, I, maybe you do want to be married. All right, great. You want to be married and you have kids and you want to, okay, fine. Um, maybe you want to be successful in your career. Um, maybe you want to have, just have money. Um, whatever, whatever it is, basically what you need to do is look at your life like it's a story and go, how do I want this story to end? Like when I die, when my eulogy is printed in the local paper, if papers are still a thing by that point, or when people read it online, what the hell do I want it to say? What I want to, what do I want to be remembered for? And then you work backwards from whatever that story is. Maybe, maybe and you can fill in whatever details you want to be. Um, some people want a very quiet life. Some people want a very full life. And sometimes we confuse the things like we, we struggle uh, to create, a, to fill all the holes that we think we have. Um, I think very often what happens as adults is people are trying to fill all the holes they had as child in their childhood. And sometimes they overcompensate. And so it's really easy to get lost um, in the in the trees. You just get lost in the weeds. Um, because there's always this balance of like, all right, where am I going uh, versus, hang on a what am I doing today versus where am I taking any kind of direction in life? Cause we, we want forward motion, right? In sailing, there's this, you, you've got the concept of underway and making way. So if you're, if you're on a boat and you're underway, your underway just simply means you're not tied to the dock anymore. Like you are, you're free floating, you're under your own power. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're making progress toward any kind of destination. So making way means you're you're actually in motion, moving toward a particular goal, like whatever your destination is. And so what I would say is figure out kind of where that destination's gonna be. Not and this is hard because nobody can really say, hey, this is where I want to end up in 20 years. You can think you are. And, and really, we're not even good at it past like five years. So making long-term plans, it's kind of stupid to a degree. Um, or it's, it's not stupid. It's just unproductive. Uh, so what you can, what I would say you can do is think about little things like, do I like it where it's warm or where it's cold? I like things where they're warm because I don't like winter. All right, great. You probably would rather live someplace warm, period. End of story. All right, great. Um, do I like rural life? Do I want to like live out on a farm and raise chickens? Or do I like the hustle and bustle of um, city life? And then you can choose those. And so every step you make is either a direction toward or away from those things. And I'll be honest, some of those things change. Um, what typically, what happens very often to people in their twenties, especially if they come from like a small town somewhere and that's like the world, like the only thing they want to do is get away from that place. Like they, they want the excitement of a bigger city, a faster life, a faster pace, you know, more job opportunities. They want all of these things. And then something that very happen often happens like in their late twenties or, you know, thirties, early thirties is they sort of like, they get a taste of that for a while. And then suddenly they are unsure if that's really what they want or not. 
because truth be told is sometimes you just have to taste something to find out if it's what you really want or not. Sometimes you just have to find, it's not that you just have to find out what you want, but sometimes you have to find out what you don't want. Um, but the trick is, is to be making way and not just drifting. It's one thing to be just like floating on a inflatable mattress in the middle of a swimming pool where you're just sort of bouncing around between the, you know, the sides of the pool. I mean, it feels like you're making, you're make you're in motion, but you're not going anywhere. Um, and the other part is, and this is sometimes the harder part is you just have to kind of going back to that say, sometimes you just have to grow the fuck up a little bit. Um, for me after college, like I had, like I had plans, man, I was going to do stuff that not exactly stuff that I would say was, um, what I would call it vocationally smart but i was really big into mountain biking when i was in college and the only real plan i had after college is i wanted to buy myself a shitty old winnebago and then bounce around ski towns in the summer and the rocky mountains and just mountain bike all my you know mountain bike my way through colorado and montana and wherever else i could go well turns out i got married and just screwed that all up to death um and specifically i married somebody who hates cold weather and so everything had to change and then suddenly also i became a a police officer i cut all my hair off and suddenly i got engaged into a world of of people that i had never had any contact with and you know five years later um you know, after in that world, you realize like all the things you had actually been sheltered from that you didn't know about, like all the things that, you know, my parents kept me away from, um, intentionally kept me away from to keep me out of trouble kind of things. And so part of it was just learning, Hey man, this is kind of where I am. Uh, this is the new me. This is the new understanding of how the world works because it, and finding out that it didn't necessarily work the way I thought it did. And that part was important. And that kind of set the tone for, you know, what came next. Um, and so still, even then, um, like for me, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up and I'm freaking middle-aged. Um, all I know, and like, there's a point when, and this is the whole other thing is when you hit your midlife crisis and you sort of check off all those life goals that you think you're going to, you want. And then you're like, now what the hell do I do? Like I've done everything. Like it's all checked off. Like I've done all of it. And I think this is also what happens to a lot of uh, parents when their kids move out and they're sort of, they hit that empty nester syndrome and their lives have revolved around their kids and suddenly their lives are their own again. And they're like, I've still got like 20 more years of like, before I can retire. Oh shit. Now what? And you go into this like period of like depression and sort of manic behavior and you do crazy stuff. And suddenly you, you know, you kind of sometimes revert back to your, like trying to like a second childhood. And you know, things fall apart. Notice that like there's a lot of marriages of people my age that have suddenly started falling apart. And I think that's just what happens. Um, so going back to the question, the 23-year-old growing up in today's world is what should you do? I think one of the things that first thing you should do is recognize right now, especially if you're kind of politically motivated and you have these ideas that you're going to change the world. I'm not going to tell you not to try, but I'm also going to tell you that you're not going to do it. The best thing you can do is change you. 
one of the and this is one of the things I was, I was talking about with recently with social media um in the early days like social media was all about small circles small concentric circles of like your own local community and you, you would grow that community outward this is kind of the original idea of facebook and it was about you know small circles getting bigger and then you had things like Twitter and now Instagram and TikTok and all these others. And it's no longer about creating community. It's about creating audiences. It's mass communication at this point. It's not community at all. I think that brilliance is really in the smaller circles. You don't have the ability. Probably you don't have, most people don't have the ability or the to influence large circles of people in meaningful ways. You may entertain people in large circles. And, and I'm, I'm say, some people do. Most don't. Uh, but you do have the ability to influence people on in local ways. You have the ability to influence your own family. You very much have the influence to influence your own life. And so you start asking yourself the deeper questions. What is it that I actually want out of life? And sometimes you write a note and then sometimes you have to ask, what do I not want? And then you start asking yourself the next right question. Or actually you start looking for the next right answer. What's a thing that makes me that gets me a little closer to this next part, like my next waypoint on this journey. What gets me a little closer? You know, and really the only thing you can do in this, and you know, writers have said this for years, like the only, the only real thing you can do is try to be a little better than you weren't than you were yesterday. Or if you want to take the pessimist view, try to be a little less worse than you were yesterday. Incremental changes. This is the way glaciers move. And man, do glaciers make an impact. So there are also there are other fundamental things. Like, let's be realistic. If you're broke all the time, it's good. you're gonna have a much harder time making it. Life gets more difficult when you're chronically broke. So sometimes that's about getting your head around the finances sometimes that is about taking a job trying to move up a little bit like there's only so long you can work in a fast food restaurant or whatever like in the service industry of some sort it may not be like the thing that you really want but it is a you're you are acquiring resources to build the life that you actually want it helps if you can find something that you can find meaningful and give us a bit of purpose because that's one of the things that other that eats people alive is when they get in and they're making money but they feel like they have no purpose so it's a balance it's always a balance um I'm hearing this hum in the background and that's my refrigerator on the boat. I'm on the boat right now and I just went ADD and went, Hey squirrel. Cause I'm looking at the recording and it's like, Oh, there's this little line where it's recording all the noise, but that's the refrigerator, which is located underneath the seat where I'm sitting. So it comes through. Um, so going back to this question, I was, my whole point with this thing was recording this whole, um, big history of communication and kind of laying down the basics of um, journalism in America. And I probably will still do that. I still got time. I'm only 20 minutes in. I still do that. I'm going to tell you about John Peter Zinger here in a little bit. Um, and I guess this is one of the, I, I guess this part applies because one of the things I'm, I've been asking myself and a lot of people ask is like the state of the United States right now, Jesus Christ, how did we get here? 
I mean, let me rephrase that. I know how we got here. Um, I know how we got here because I've, this is, I've studied communication and for so long that I see all, like you can look in hindsight and see how all these things lead to where you are now. Like, you know, this is where we talk about lives as well. You can look in the rearview mirror and see all the decisions you made that led you to the place you are now. So if you're trying to move forward, um, it helps to know where your destination is and like where you want to get. So if we're talking about a human life, again, this goes back to, Hey, when I'm an old person, um, when I'm 80 years old, like what, where, what do I want to look like? Maybe I'm not even reading an obituary, but I'm just trying to figure this out. Like one of the things I used to tell my freshman students and that sometimes they would argue with me because um, they didn't believe it or they didn't want to believe it, which I guess is probably closer to the accurate, tr uh, closer to the truth. Everything that you do today will have ripple effects on the person that you are to become. So what I would tell my students is like the 80 year old version of you is at the mercy of the 18 year old version of you. Everything you do today will have ripple effects on that version of you. And that can be the stuff that you do to your body at this point in life, the stuff that you do to your health, the stuff that you do to your mental health, the habits that you pick up, whether they be like health, healthy habits or personal habits. Like, you know, I played football in high school and I was in the martial arts in high school. And I already told you I was big into like mountain biking in college and all of that adds up to say, my knees kind of suck these days. And that is a direct reflection of the younger me not really thinking about the middle-aged me. And that's just the way it goes, right? Um, you don't want to pamper your future self. Like it's the whole idea that you you want you want to create a resilient older you who is taken care of you know sometimes people are like you need to take care of make sure you take care of your parents with well, something you need to make sure you're taking care of the older version of you so others don't have to Does that makes sense and you know sometimes that means there's, there's a few things it means creating a bit of order in your life right now and i maybe okay so 23 year old person out there Here's the first piece of advice I would get. Get your life in order as it is today. When you get up in the morning, make your bed and clean your room. And and okay, so this is a this is a thing that I do every day. Um I do everything I can to be, you know, I say be nicer to the older version of you. I like to try to be nicer to the version of me that's coming home from work at the end of the day. So like no matter how much bullshit I had to put up with at work or whatever happened in my day, maybe it was a great day, maybe it was a terrible day. At the end of the day, I get to come home to something resembling order. Like my bed is made. Like... And I don't know how to explain how much that actually makes a difference because it just, when, especially if you're like me and you're just a little bit on the ADD side and everything kind of is always seems a little chaotic when you can have that little place that's just sort of peaceful, it's your, it's your own little kind of Zen garden that helps. And so, you know, when I'm, I get up, I make my bed, I make myself breakfast every morning, and then I wash all the dishes. And I don't use a dishwasher, um, so I use all. I wash all the when I'm cooking breakfast. I'll wash all the dishes in the sink and make sure they're all done, so I never come home to dirty dishes. You know, I mean, wake up to dirty because I don't necessarily clean them before I go to bed at night. 
um, you know, the dinner dishes. But I'll, uh, when I'm cooking breakfast, I'll wash all the dishes, make sure by the time I leave for work, my bed is made, my room is clean. And I have, you know, I have something to come home to that's worth coming home to. Maybe that's a good way to put it. Like it feels like coming home. So my first piece of advice, 23-year-old, is that. Wake up. Make your bed. Wash your dishes. Make sure that you are giving yourself a home to come home to at the end of the day. Maybe that makes sense. And then, once you get that established, start looking for the next right answer. Because you want to be, think about where you want this ship to take you. You don't want to be tied up to the dock forever. You also just don't want to be bouncing around between, you know, on a swimming pool, not going anywhere. If you want adventure, if you want to go see far distant lands, then you need to get the ship, you need to get your shit together so that you can do that so i mean and this is a basic link you want to be able to travel somewhere you need to figure out how you can afford to do that if you want to have a house if you want to have a family it's like like if you want to be like maybe you do want the i want the i want the fan i want the house the wife the, the husband the kids the whatever you are a part of that equation so how do you turn yourself into a person who will be a good wife a good husband a good whatever you happen to be like it's not just about going through the ceremony it's about playing the part once you have it how do you become a competent adult and we're going back to the, the university idea this is why you go to university is you learn to think through these things so you're not just going day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. And 20 years later, you look in your mirror and you don't know who the fuck you are staring at. And that you don't end up homeless within your own brain or any else's brain. All right. Maybe that's enough advice. I'm going to play some Woody Guthrie now and just jump on the kind of little folk bandwagon today a little bit. This song and another song that may piss a few people off, but I don't care. It's my podcast. And then we're going to talk about kind of the history of American journalism, how it got started. I may talk a little bit about the Rogan thing again a little bit, but I already covered that the other day, so I don't want to go too much into that again. It just keeps going and it seems a bit ridiculous at times. For reasons I might go into if my ADD will let me. So we'll find out. Just a roaming round, just a wandering worker. I go from town to town, and the police make it hard wherever I may go. And I ain't got no home in this world Sisters are stranded on this road, a hot and dusty road that a million feet have trod. Rich man took my home and drove me from my door, and I ain't got no home in this world anymore. Thank you. 
was a farming on the shares, and always I was poor. My crops I lent to the banker's store. My wife took down and died up on the cabin floor, and I ain't got no home in this world anymore. mighty plain to see this world is such a great and a funny place to be all the gambling man is rich and the working man is poor and i ain't got no home in this world anymore Okay, I'm going to add to my last thing because naturally I got another text while the song was playing. So I'm just going to pick up because I realized I left some stuff out. More advice. And this specifically goes, I'll give you, I'll give you two pieces of advice that I've heard from that did not originate from me, but I would consider them good pieces of advice. One specifically for the creative types out there. Um, and you are the people who are, you know, you want to do theater, you want to do, you want to, you want to make videos, you want to make, you want to do something that's not, you know, it, it's not your typical nine to five job working for corporate America, whatever you want to, you want to make your own thing. Uh, and sometimes it's like, you know, it's not even creative. Maybe you want to be a craftsman of some sort you want to make things you want to make things and sometimes that world is hard to get a foot in um years ago i was i was on a hiring committee for the art department they were they were trying to hire a professor for the fine arts uh, or uh, they were trying to hire a professor uh, for their game design program and one of the candidates came in who he was American by birth uh, white Anglo-Saxon by birth who had spent a great deal of his childhood in China uh, and so he had what he would he referred to as like American parents, but he also referred to his Chinese parents. And and so he had a lot of that uh, like, like Chinese culture as far as his influence. And one of the things that he said his Chinese mother had told him is he was pursuing a fine arts degree, and she told him that he needed. I may get this wrong exactly what it was an iron rice pot or an iron rice bowl I just remember iron and rice pot or bowl I remember and, and what she meant by that is if you're going to do something creative you have to also it, it's very beneficial for you to also find we'll just call it a trade something that you can do to make yourself money when that other thing is not paying the bills you know a lot of people are just like i'll just wait tables and that's great and that's fine that will very often wear thin after a while and so you can find things like you find find what this thing is that will support you while you're trying to do this other thing so you can be your own you know sugar mama or sugar daddy the other piece of advice came from a guy um who was he was building fence on our farm he was building barbed wire fence and um this was his job he builds fences for a living 
And I asked him, I was like, how did you get into doing this? Because, you know, you start thinking of professions like there's you don't really necessarily think, oh, I'm going to do that. And he said he got into it because his grandfather had given him the advice. He said, if you always want to find a job, figure out something that nobody else wants to do and then learn how to do it better than anyone else. And then you'll always have work. And that made a lot of sense to me. Made a lot of sense. Uh, you know, and that kind of fall under sort of the micro dirty jobs sort of standard. And so both of these answers are right, but both of these are, these are different answers to kind of the same question. Um, and that nuance is one of the things that somehow I, I think we've lost, right? Um, we've, we've become very sort of binary in our thinking. It's either, you know, in, in binary code, everything's either ones or zeros. It's on or it's off. And so we tend to think it's like one way or the other when, kind of the truth is you can have more than one right answer but the question and so this is where this idea of like you know sort of this deliberate living deliberately is when you're asking the question like how do I get where I'm going how do I get to the thing that I'm trying to accomplish and again this goes back to the next right answer what tools are you giving yourself to navigate this life so I'm, I'm so I'm on my boat right now um tied up to the dock you know we're we've been having conversations about making some you know pretty big life changes here and then and so one of the things that i'm thinking about for my boat is like if i if if i move my boat like not just move it you know a little ways across the bay but if i go somewhere far what do i need to do to my boat to make sure it's ready for this next voyage, this next trip. And so I was, you know, I was lying in bed last night sort of thinking about, all right, if I'm going to like, for the sake of argument, let's say I'm going to take it to the Caribbean, way down to the Virgin islands, weeks upon weeks of sailing. What do I need to know is going to work on this boat? What do I need to know is, is main well-maintained what spare parts do I need? What provisions will I need? I, I, I need to think like this. If that's where I'm going, what are the things that I need to make sure I get there um, with this, the least amount of drama as possible? And then also thinking like, what's too much? Like you don't need, there's, there's a level of like, you can't account for every scenario. You can account for the big ones though. So, you know, what are the tools that I need? What are the provisions I need? What do I need to make sure gets checked out? Do I need any new instruments? I do need some new instruments, all of these things. And these same rules apply for life. If I'm going, if I want to end up here eventually, if I want to be thought of as this kind of person, eventually, if I want to, you know, have a bank account that has this much eventually, I have to, I have to sort of, you know, evaluate where I am right now. And, uh, think about what it is I'm going to do. How many minutes am I into this thing? Ah, crap. I'm at 40 minutes. I haven't even really started with the point of this thing was, you know what? I'm going to abandon my original point of all this. My whole original. I'm gonna. I'll just record that one again later. Maybe do it as soon as I hang up with the hang up. I'm not hanging up with anything. I'll read you a quote. I'm googling now. This is a quote. I used to start out every beginning of 
my um like the first day of class in my mask on and actually this is okay so i'll just talk about this one of the things i'm about to start doing and i originally started to do um today was i'm going to go through all my i, I taught like intro introduction to mass communication like for a decade and then i stopped teaching it a few years ago um because it was time to move on and, and i was trying to double down on some other stuff uh and give myself some more space but i really love teaching that class because there were, it, it covered so much basic information i think is really relevant today so one of the things i think i'm about to start doing is recording a lot of those lectures um i'm just going to go through and start you know the stuff i covered i'm just going to cover these in podcast form um But one of the things that I used to start like the first day of class, and I'll be straight up, I stole it straight from Dead Poet Society. Because one of the things I, when I first became a professor, one of the things that was really important to me um, was that to be the kind of professor that I admired. Like, so this goes back to like i gotta know where to aim like i'm i'm never going to be my the favorite professor I'm not, I'm not that's not who i am so i have you know and i had several you know favorite professors and then i kind of had sort of like you know robin williams mr keating from dead poet society who wasn't a professor but he certainly exhibited a lot of the characteristics that i admired and i guess had that ethos that I really wanted to have. Um, and so this this poem, part of this book, it's part of this poem, it's from Walt Whitman, it's uh, O Me, O Life, is what I would start out with uh, at the beginning of the semester. First day, I'd have the students read it, like one at a time. I would just have like, I'd have one read it, and then I'd have another read it, and then another read it, and then another read it, and I'd be like, so what's it mean? And it's this. O oh me, O oh life, of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish, of myself forever reproaching myself, for who more foolish than I, and who more faithless, of eyes that vainly crave the light, of the objects mean, of the struggle ever renewed, of the poor results of all, of the plodding and sordid crowds I see around me, of the empty and useless years of the rest, with the rest me intertwined, the question, oh me, so sad, recurring, what good amid these, oh me, oh life? Answer, that you are here, that life exists in identity. That the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. That you are here, that life exists in identity. That the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. I would amend that to say it's not that you may contribute a verse you will contribute a verse but you get the decision to decide on whether this verse this story that is your life is it going to be any good or not is it going to be is it going to be worth reading is it going to be like walking to a movie and realizing that's two hours of your life you'll never get back and you will have chapters i promise you that feel like that you're like i just went down the wrong road for two years now you know where you don't want to be so it wasn't a complete waste um I have a YouTube video where I, where I tell this story. And, I, and I, when I used to travel around um, doing workshops way, way, way back when, I'd, I'd always end with this story. And But it's still true. And it's just, you know, it's been cold. And so it's kind of fitting. 
So when I was a kid, I think it was 1983, there was this big ice storm that hit Arkansas. And I guess very similar to kind of what happened in Texas last year, but basically our our power got knocked out for like two weeks in the, you know, and, and it was really freaking cold. We were out of school. We couldn't, you know, we couldn't go to school because the roads are covered in ice. Uh, we had no power. The thing was, at that point in life, we didn't have a, the house that we lived in only had like a heat pump. It was just electric heat. And so when the power goes off, so does the um, heat. So what I kind of remember from that point in time is going over to my grandparents' house and staying at theirs a lot and because they had a fireplace and, you know, you can sit by that. It wasn't great, but it was better than nothing. Um, I don't know. I say that wasn't great. It was, it was pretty, you know, sitting by a fireplace is pretty great in any stretch. Um, sitting by a fireplace seems like a very natural thing for a human being to do. Just sitting by a fire, the light's off at night is a very, very human activity. If, when you're in that, when you're doing that, at least for me, I feel like I'm like, those are the moments that sort of feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm living the way I'm supposed to be living. It's hard to explain. It just, it just feels like you're tapping into something deeper to the human condition. Well, eventually, you know, every storm runs out of rain, uh, to quote Maya Angelou. And the power came back on eventually. And, our, and my, my dad swore that he would never again live in a house that didn't have wood heat. And so we got back um, and immediately he hired somebody to come install a wood stove in our house. We were, and we were in the process of building another house at the same time, but we had that, we had a wood stove. And so from that point on, we had wood heat. And the other house, we were building this big house, uh, big farmhouse. And I kid you not, he might have gotten a little carried away, but when it was done, it had five, four, four, yeah four different sources of wood heat in that house it was, it was a big house and it had a fireplace upstairs and it had a base kind of a half basement apartment in it so it had a fireplace downstairs it had a fireplace upstairs it had a wood stove upstairs on the opposite side of the house and it also had a wood burning furnace in the basement area as well that was connected to like the central heat and air and so no matter and like you know that thing only really worked if we had power as well i mean yeah it was a big furnace in the basement but it blew through the ductwork and and so we had all this all these fireplaces and wood stoves and whatnot so what i did as a child was just split wood i mean it was grown as farm kid I split so much wood growing up. That's just, you know, and you have a hard day at school, you go out and split wood and you just, and, and, but the other thing was, you know, dad would cut like good trees, like oak. He would always, we we're always cleaning stuff up and like getting rid of junk trees on the farm, which translated into a lot of gum. And, and if you've ever tried to split gum trees with a, you know, hand maul, you know, we didn't have a hydraulic splitter. Let me just be real clear about that. It was all like, you know, a maul and, brawn of your shoulders and back and uh, gum just doesn't split doesn't have a nice clean grain and so you can just sort of wedge it off and you just beat yourself silly trying to get that stuff split you know so you just sort of wedge it down until you could get it small enough that it would fit in the furnace but that you know mentality you know stuck with me and to this day I don't I have, I have yet to live in another house since then, except for an apartment in college that didn't have wood heat. 
um, to this day. I mean, my boat doesn't have a fireplace. I could put one in it, but I've got, you know, it's self-contained, so I'm not really worried about that. I've got I'm a gas heater. Um, you know, with the cabin, definitely has wood stove and a gas stove and whatever else, and so it stays warm. But the thing that I learned how to do is, is I sort of became a traditionalist with all of that, and it's and I started thinking about fire, and fire is one of these sort of amoral things, like it can heat your home or it can burn it down. And like I said earlier, when I'm sitting in front of a fire and just sort of you just stare into the flames, it feels very, very much like you're tapping into something deeper uh, of human history. Especially where my cabin is, um, because I've just found enough artifacts around that I, I just feel like there was, you know, Paleolithic um, indigenous tribe somewhere hung out there. I found plenty of, you know, points or you know what we call arrowheads and whatnot around flint chips and stuff someone who lived in that place before me and they sat by a lot of fires on that hill and so one of the things that i do now is i don't I, 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 again you're always preparing for like when things go wrong and so one of the things that I, I sort of, I taught myself how to do is how to start fires without needing a bunch of extra stuff. Like, And I gave my rule, you can only use wood. You can't use a bunch of extra stuff, like paper or lighter fluid or anything. You can only use wood and you only get one match. And so what happens is I, you know, I do typically do a lot of woodworking. And uh, so I've always got like wood scraps around and sawdust and shavings. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, and so I just start with some shavings, paper thin stuff, or if I, you know, if I don't have that, I'll just split things down to where they're like toothpick size. And, you know, I can make a pile of those in the stove. And, and then, uh, you know, I'll get another pile of stuff that's just a little bit bigger. And then um, make a pile of them in the stove. And I'll light the match and then carefully put it to it. And then, uh, like, bang, I got fire. It, you know it's paper thin it just takes the fire and it doesn't you know it doesn't need anything else i don't need lighter fluid or the other stuff but the other and this is the part to remember you can't just stop there like i can't just stop adding to it at this point and so i just keep adding like but i can't just like take a big log off the wood pile and throw it on there because it's not the power the fire is not strong enough to handle that yet and so I just take something, you know, I started out with like paper thin stuff. Then I put like, you know, toothpick size stuff on it, maybe pencil size, just whatever. You know, I start looking for what I'd say is the next right answer. Just the next, the next thing that it can maintain. And then it, but it's still like, I can't leave it alone. It still needs, I have to take care of this fire. It's still, it's still fragile in its current state. But I just sit there and I, and it doesn't take long. And it starts building and starts growing. I keep adding bigger stuff and bigger stuff. And I make sure, you know, it's dry. It's flammable. It's got, it's ready to catch fire. And then over time, and again, it doesn't take long. You know, it starts developing a bed of coals. And it's, it kind of produces sort of this, what I would call a deep heat. Like the stuff that now it's really starting to radiate heat. And eventually that, fire gets so hot that even I can go get the biggest greenest wettest log off my wood pile and even I can throw that on there and even it will burn and our lives are basically the same way like hey 23 year old friend of mine Look for the next right answer. Light that fire that's in you. Light the thing that is bringing you something resembling joy. Light the thing that you say this, it, like you can just do it and you can just tell like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is the way I'm wired. And then don't try to go all in. Don't You, know, you don't necessarily have to jump in the deep end right from the beginning, but start looking for the next right answer. 
what makes this fire just a little bit bigger? What will make this fire just a little bit stronger? And then eventually, what you get is something pretty amazing. It produces light, it produces warmth, and then you can have some, you know, stranger or, you know, friend, or maybe when you're my age, some 23 year old person that you've been trying to mentor or whatever has uh, knocks on your door. Maybe they're a complete stranger and you don't even know them. And they're out of answers and they're just drifting and they don't know what to do. And you can just say, hey, sit by my fire for a while. Warm up. And let me teach you how to build your own. And that's what making a deliberate life is. It starts with making your bed. And I guess it ends by helping others learn how to make theirs. Man, I hope that made sense. Until next time, crew. This is the captain speaking. Man, have a lovely voyage. Have a lovely, lovely cruise. I left so my daddy south of Mowabutal Caught in the snares of a black magic brew I left his bones for dust in the twilight pale But he followed me down to Tupelo With the rest of the ghosts on the Natchez Mama lived in Corpus Christi Used to surf with the sharks and the man of wars out at sea Till one day the monsoon came to visit Texas Tsunami thought she looked good Had her for breakfast
among the smoke and steam. Well, I got a sugar cube for a soul. I got rain most every day. Together we sweeten the world. Alone I wash away. Hey, 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 hey. Together we sweeten the world. Alone I trust you. 